Everybody from different across the country kind of had one single same scenario uh, that everybody's talking about. What do you think it was? Slow on the market. Why? Interest rates, right? So there's a, this talk of a shift, right? But it's not necessarily a crash. What do you think the difference is? Hey, this is Blake Sloan. I've been selling real estate over 14 years. Our team of highly trained professionals along with our unmatched marketing has sold thousands of homes here in the Myrtle Beach area. And this is how we do it. Notes, but everybody from different across the country kind of had one single same scenario uh, that everybody's talking about. What do you think it was? Slow on the market. Why? Interest rates, right? So there's a, this talk of a shift, right? But it's not necessarily a crash. What do you think the difference is? What's that? Inventory, right? So the big difference between now and 2008, I want to share this. I want people to be scared, uh, but I want you to be able to understand that we want to find a way to win regardless of what the market is, right? We've been having a very good track record of winning regardless of what the market does. Market's up, we've won. Market's down, we've won, right? So uh, the difference though, and this time is just, there's just less inventory. Why? Wow, we talked about this a million times. After 2008 crisis, what happened to builders? It wiped out, gone. So there's a period between 2008 and 2012 that not a whole lot got built. And it literally could not keep up with population growth. So the problem is population grew, continue to grow, right? You have from the largest uh, groups now, and millennials is coming into that time to buy houses too. And there's just not inventory for them to, to be able to do so. Right? So that's a good thing now in a way because what's he going to do? Helps protect price. Right? So the bad side of that is that interest rates have been very low for a long time artificially, right? Because what the Federal Reserve comes in, money basically just getting printed like crazy. Uh, they had all kind of different QE, quantitative easing, all kind of stuff that was going on where they were buying mortgage-backed securities, which kept rates artificially low, which obviously drove price up significantly. When they start to raise rates to help offset inflation, because inflation's out of control, right? What that, that's gonna do is it makes rates go higher, which tends to make buyers do what? Back off. And so that's just part of the reality is some buyers are gonna back off, some buyers get knocked out from the financial side. So there's a way to kind of get around that. But the common thing we had last week was that there is a shift coming. Some areas are already seeing that, some areas of California are already seeing price reductions. You're starting to see that because there's just the pace of the buyers that were out there before just are not the same pace they were prior. Why is that? Because interest rates go up. Right? We talked about a very simple number that just looks at the cost per month and cost they're doing is if you look at 1% interest rate, it costs about 10% more overall in terms of payment. Now we've had 2% increase, that's 20% more money it costs for somebody to buy a house on top of prices going up. And so if you understand that and look at that, it's going to really just understand there's going to be a slowdown in general. Some are saying, hey, it could be a 30% drop in the amount of sales. Doesn't necessarily mean the actual price of property. Could it potentially? It could a little bit. Right, but I don't think you're going to see anything that drastic because there's not anything else out there. And there is ultimately still a need. So what does that mean? We got to find a way to win, right, to make sure we can do that. And it's pretty simple. We really talked about that for a whole week. Just everyone, just different things they're doing, how they're seeing it, what's happening. The other challenge is low inventory is being frustrating for buyers before, which was buyer fatigue and also agent fatigue, right? So I really want to just have us pre-frame and say, look, here's how do we understand what we do going forward in terms of how do we win the shift model, right? How do we make sure that we're winning once the shift happens? And really, one of the best quotes I have that I got uh, from my buddy Ben, I put it in the thing I'll teach you today, just talks about a market shift is a choice if your business goes down. A market shift is a choice if your business goes down. What do you think that means? You have to 
Yep. You got to do what? Make a couple changes in terms of that, right? So I really took it what uh, I was just getting over the last week, what the voice kind of told me and kind of what I was just saying. Hey, look, through last time, what needs to happen? And then I'm going to fill in the gaps with some pieces and just technology and cool things. I learned a lot of technology, what everybody else is doing. But ultimately, it comes down to how do you and your team pr perform when the whole when this scenario happens, right? And we're not seeing that bad here yet. Oh, look, this morning, 685 contract, 260 plus million is still pretty good from a new deals standpoint, right? So, um, but they're saying that rates can get to six, seven, potentially higher uh, percent. And that obviously will have some coolant, right? It will cool off the market a little bit, which means what? People who are buying second homes before are not gonna buy second homes anymore, right? People are gonna move, but here's the deal. There's still a lot of people who are gonna move from this. Interest rates aren't gonna be that big of an issue for some people, specifically baby boomers. They have massive, 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 I can't remember the exact numbers in my notes somewhere, uh, trillions of dollars in home equity in their properties. And they're getting to the, the later years of their life, they're gonna be next to their family, their kids, their grandkids, whatever it is. And so that's something that's gonna be a big part that we gotta do what? We gotta find them, talk to them, and sift them out. That's what they seem, because they have so much equity in terms of what they have, right? So uh, we'll talk about that, but I'm gonna break it down to four main pieces that we have. The first one, right? The first one that we, we just talked about, this is the main thing for everyone, is that you have to make sure that this piece of the puzzle stays up no matter what, and you have to really increase it the same amount that it goes down. So this is kind of the biggest piece I took from it. Production. So if the market drops, let's say 20%, sales that is, not numbers, so not actual prices, but if sales drop by 20%, what do you got to do? As a team, right, or as an individual, if I want to maintain my, my productivity as an individual, I then have to raise my production, aka what I'm outputting 20%. And so the key lesson here is that I have to make sure that I'm matching my output must match any decline. Once you're able to get through that initial transition phase, many of the average agents who do not make adjustments, who don't have the training we do, who don't have the leads we do, who don't have the systems we do, they don't make it through that initial transition. Why is that? Because it's not quite as easy as it was before. And so you got to make sure that as anything happens, right, my output must exceed any decline. Output must exceed any decline. Now I'll say, being there last week was really kind of first, I'm like, man, I'm really glad I'm here. Hearing this stuff, what everybody else is thinking, everybody's kind of in alignment um, in terms of how do you win as a group or an individual in this. Your, your, ex, your overall output must exceed. So this comes down to what? piece of it. This comes down to what? Calls, texts, emails. So if there's less buyers potentially in that same pool that used to be, what do I have to do? Make more dials, right? More emails, more text messages. Why? Because if I'm having to sift through to find less buyers in the same amount of pool, then guess what happens? I've got to make more dials statistically to make that number work. 20% less buyers means, all right, if I wanted the same amount of buyers that I had before, I've got to make 20% more calls. Make sense, you guys? Super, super simple, but it's a, a very, very easy way to win the game. I just got to figure out, okay, what's the market at? What's going on with it? Here's why I doubled down my, my dials, whatever it is. You know, 20% more is not that big of a number if you break it down. You guys with me on that? It's crazy in that scenario. And really, I was texting Alex, my buddy Ben, 
Their minimum dials for anybody new is 250 a day, and they have to have in their first 30 days, got to make a thousand dials in one day to stay on the team. So it's important to understand that it's all a mindset game in that piece, right? And so that's a key thing that's important to understand in that, in that scenario, that piece. So with that, the third piece of the production, which I think is super important, is I must make sure I maintain and, and really increase my discipline that same amount. All these here must match whatever decrease there is. You guys with me on this? There's less sellers, less buyers. It doesn't matter what it is. I have to make sure I can change this because what most people do, what the masses do, is they maintain the status quo. So maintain the status quo, they just do what they've been doing. But the problem is back then it was a lot easier because there's a much more of a frenzy and a big demand in terms of what buyers were doing. You guys with me on this? When there's a frenzy, everybody's buying all the time. Very, very, you know, and it happens in any product there is. There's a frenzy on boats, everybody starts buying boats like crazy, right? Frenzy in cars, people start buying cars like crazy. Why does that? Because they keep going up. They're going to be left out. And so as it always comes down to some piece of that consumer confidence. And I think I was talking to Baron yesterday about that. One of the biggest challenges in that is going to be the consumer confidence piece because if you notice, the news media is already dropping what? The fear hit pieces, yeah. right? Mark's doing this, Mark's doing this, Mark's doing that. And they can do that until they really foresee it. We talked about one of the main drivers of anybody right now is fear. And so they're going to really want to determine and really lean on your certainty as someone who can help guide them, which I'll talk about in a second. But you talk about wars going on, COVID going on, potential you know, inflation, market stuff. They're just being bombarded. And obviously, they need to be able to look and have someone who can provide certainty in what they're doing, who can guide them the right way. And if you do that, that's going to be the, right, the, the secret for you to be able to be successful in that piece. Does that make sense to you guys right there? Super, super important. Um, in that aspect, and the last piece of this, which kind of goes with this, is I've got to really maximize and increase my productivity that same percentage. Productivity, I mean more of an efficiency standpoint. So how do I get better at making sure that I can be better at what I'm doing? How do I make sure that I can really optimize the way I'm doing things in terms of my conversion on the telephone, my conversion in text messages? One of the things we talked about last week is that you know people are really going to a text message first world now as things happen. You've got to get better at your text messages. I'll talk about that through very specific short questions, things like that. They're going to help you get more conversion where right now too many people are trying to market on text message instead of have a short conversation to be able to move to the next piece, which is get on the telephone. That's an example of productivity. How do I hook more buyers with the same amount of work and make sure I can be optimized in terms of what I'm doing? Does that make sense? Most of our productivity optimization is going to be where? Time. Talking this a few weeks ago. Right? How do I make sure I have the most productivity in my time? And so I don't want you guys to look at this and say, man, I got to double down and work 20% harder. You don't have to do that. I just got to make sure that what? My output in terms of what happens is the same increase uh, that there is any decrease in terms of sales. The fastest and best way to do that is to make sure I can constantly optimize my productivity and get more done in less time. You with me on this? Very, very important. This is the roadmap in terms of the overall, we'll call this the shift model. And again, this is just, you know, kind of a, a, a worst case scenario here. Like, how do I make sure that I'm moving these needles in terms of what's happening? The second piece, what do you guys think the second piece is of this? If you look at the buyer psychology, look what happens to any buyers or any sellers. Because um, here's the deal. Sellers are going to be the same problem. Why? Well, they don't want to sell as much anymore because they can't buy anything else because interest rates are too high. They're locked in at 2.75%. The new rate's at 7.1%. They don't really want to move as much. So... 
this challenge is on both sides as it happens, and it's really something that hasn't been done before um, in that. Does that make sense? And so the good news is from a price standpoint, from a market, you know, there's, there's not, the, the, the stability of the market is there because everyone has so much more equity this time. You look at 2008, there was like, um, I think it was like, what, nine months of inventory or something? There was a lot of inventory back then because it was just all speculation. People weren't really buying it to actually live in. We have a much different problem this time in terms of what we do. So second piece of this, what's most important for you to move forward, this kind of goes back to what I was saying a minute ago, is going to have to be your sales IQ. Biggest point of leverage for you. What do you think that means? Sales IQ. This, yes, this is all buyer psychology right here. All buyer psychology. How well do I handle objections? How do I have things happen? So the first thing I must make sure I'm maximizing here is I have to make sure I can maximize and get better at my skill of influence. It's easy to sell something everybody wants. Like when I transitioned from timeshare, when no one to buy timeshare, they made a promise not to buy the timeshare. They literally agreed, made a pact, they weren't going to buy anything. Then I transitioned to real estate. I'm like, man, this is crazy. People actually want to buy this stuff, right? It comes down to the psychology there. Then all of a sudden, anybody that's been in real estate the past four or five years, it's super, super easy because everybody's wanting to buy it. And they'll pay whatever for it. And so as there tends to be more roadblocks, more bumps, more challenges, you have to get better at understanding the psychology of the buyer so I can really influence them on making the right decision. Which is buying now before rates continue to go up, right? Whatever it is in terms of what they want to do because if price is protected by inventory, rates are going up, it's just going to cost them more to wait longer to buy some. With me on that? Very, very important to understand if I have a seller who needs to sell, right? But they're concerned about rates being high, what else they can buy. I've got to be very good at influence to help them guide that scenario. Very, very, very important in that piece, right? And it comes down to just understanding the psychology and really being able to battle the objection piece they have, which we'll talk about that in a second. And I think that's a big point we can do in that. So the second big piece of that is objection handling. And really got some good insight in this with my buddies named Robbie in there. He talks about some examples is stop selling for the no's. So people get that no or get that answer and they just fold in two seconds. Get the objection to the phone that says, no, I'm not interested, and they fold off the phone. How do I get better at understanding how I can beat those in terms of what they do there, right? We talked about that. When people are fearful, don't ask them to tell you more. Don't try to battle them, and they're going fear. Why? When they're emotionally driven by fear, your logic to them is not going to make any sense. I'll say it again. When they're emotionally driven by fear, their logic's not, logic you're going to give them is not going to make any sense. And so there's ways around that in terms of what we do. And so do not settle for service level objections, AKA the no's, right? The number one thing happening to people between wars, inflation, COVID, et cetera, is what? Just said it a minute ago. Huh? Fear, right? It's fear. So they're seeing fear online, on their Facebook, on their you know, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. It goes home, see the news, more fear, more fear, more fear, right? Of course, they're gonna come at emotion with you in terms of what they do. So inside they have this eternal battle, especially here. They live in New Jersey, right? It's cold, whatever it is, wintertime, and they're wanting to move to Myrtle Beach to have that dream place, but all of a sudden they have what in the back of their head? Fear. And so we have to be good at understanding how to really unpackage that and help help them and help get them through that, that piece of that. So the one thing we have, do not try to debate them, right? Stop trying to focus on the emotional logic. We'll teach you on this a little bit, but one thing we really talked about was refocus and redirect. So John says, hey, look, I'm not really wanting to buy here anymore. I'm getting a little scared. Rates are going up. Instead of going against him saying the market's not going to crash, what can you do? Ask a different question. 
You guys have that in your bucket, right? They say, well, I don't want to buy anymore because this market's going to crash, right? Whatever it is. And so what you can do is ask a different question. Hey, John, I appreciate that. Help me understand why you're interested to begin with. What is that right there? It's called a redirect. Hey, John, understand that. Help me understand why you were interested to begin with. So the emotional side with the other part of it. Right? So it's a judo move to move them over here. At that point, I can start unpacking what the real story is. Another one, right? Super, super important. And then they say, well, let's say I needed to, well, I'm really, let's say local, right? Oh, well, I'm having kids now, right? We have no kids now and we need a little more space. Okay, cool. I totally appreciate that, John. Help me understand why you need more space. What's your living, uh, living scenario like now? How big is the space? Whatever it is. And now I'm moving him down that road by redirect instead of doing what? Battling with him on the phone and her on the phone in terms of what they're doing. And I hear it over and over and over. We get the objection. They say, I'm not interested. Mark's in a crash. And we either battle with him or get off the phone. Very, very important to understand that scenario. And what I had in my notes somewhere, when somebody says, I'm not interested, what can you say? Let me ask you this, Chris. What's holding you back? Super simple. So next time you guys get that objection, hey, I'm not interested, you say, hey, we obviously, I know the person on the website, they're searching, they submit information. Hey, Chris, let me ask you a question, right? What's holding you back? And then I can just do the same exact thing to get to where I need to go in that scenario. I want the adults to have me at the end of the line who they trust and understand, but I want to, what, continue the objection. Most people, the reason I put this in here is they crumble the first or second objection on the telephone. Now, if there's less buyers in the pool, right, I got to make sure I get very, very good at doing what? You know, objections. And handling objections is a natural part of the sales process. Anybody that buys something is going to have an objection. It's one thing from timeshare. Everyone's going to have objections. I just got to get really good at overcoming them to help them get to the conclusion they need to get to, a.k.a. influence. You guys with me on this? It's just very, very simple. What happens is people tend to overcomplicate everything by just getting scared and agents get scared the same exact way. They recoil and they try to just go back and forth with two emotional people. If I'm calm, cool, collected, I'm at certainty they need, guess what? That's what helps me get through that. And so to do that, we're, which we're already doing this, but it's going to take double down a little, little bit more. And what increases sales IQ faster than anything on this planet, what is it? Role playing. I need to make sure that I'm focused on role playing very specific objections that are related to right now and what we're going to see coming forward. Things like we just talked about, I'm not interested. Things like, well, the market's going to crash, or rates are going up. Whatever it is, we get very, very good at that, and we're able to identify systems and processes. I'm going to show you guys a really cool one today uh, that I learned about that helps for buyers and sellers, and it's visual. We can draw it out for them to help them understand. Very, very important piece there overall in that. And the last piece here needs to understand my sales IQ is I have to understand at a much deeper level, anytime the market's more difficult, a, the sales psychology. How do I do that? Books like the FBI's Guide to Reading Body Language, Seven Levels of Questions, all these things are going to take me to some practice off the field, aka at home, at night, driving, whatever it is. I have to make sure I'm leveling up my sales IQ as a shift happens. If not, I'm going to get left behind because why? The buyer psychology and the seller psychology is changing. I have to make sure that I'm really going to make sure I'm adjusting to get better as the overall challenges get bigger. You guys with me on this? Very, very, very important. And so I was thinking, man, this is super simple stuff that we just make small adjustments. Guess what we do? We continue dominating. Right? Very, very, very simple in that standpoint. Question so far? Third piece of this. 
What do you guys have any idea what you think it is? Take a guess. Logically, there's less buyers available. I just call more to get them. A little harder to, to get them converted based on objections. What would the third piece of that be? Make more calls to get the buyers or sellers, right? Okay, yeah, how do you work it? I need to know who my lowest hanging fruit is at all times. Why? Because there's less fruit. So I need to protect my fruit more with more, I guess, focus if you look at that that way, right? There's less fruit in the tree, statistically. Still plenty of, of fruit to eat, but I want to make sure I do what? Protect my fruit. And the key part of this for the third piece is really needs to be database intelligence. Database intelligence. What do you think that means? Yes. I need to know the first question. I need to know who is in my database. This would be what? My bucket, my past clients, my current clients. Most people here don't have their current clients even tag where you can pull them up in one search. Database intelligence is one click. I pull up everybody that I've ever signed to a buyer agreement that's active. So the first piece I must know is who? On the seller side, same exact thing. Who's raised their hand to buy to sell something? Who we meet with that didn't sign? Who did we not meet with because they canceled? Who do we not sign with somebody else that still doesn't sell? We have to understand the who of who's in my database. And what does the who mean? Are you guys getting that? I'm not sure it came across right, but the who. What does the who mean? What's that? Yeah, who, who are they, right? Are they, second, are they second home buyers? Are they investors? Are they a baby boomer? Are they wanting to move here just to be one of their grandkids, right? Because here's the deal. If I want to move to, to the south to be near my grandkids, do I care about interest rate? Nope. So is that important to me? Right? So it's lower hanging fruit because I know now they don't care about interest rate as much as somebody else who may be 35 years old, some investor guy. You guys with me on that? So the, that's a piece of database intelligence where I'm not just calling numbers randomly. I'm calling the lowest hanging fruit first so I can do what? Maximize the productivity. You guys with me on this? Very, very, very important in that scenario. So how I do that is I must categorize them through what? Tags and status. What I find most people do, most agents, even veteran agents, they can organize by status but not by tags. Why? Because they haven't really trained their brain to think through tags and how tags work. Tags work through timelines, through types, through who they are. I get very, very good at understanding tags and have simplified tags. Then they overdo it and tag for everything. They have too many tags and they quit using tags. Right? Think through it. How do I need to tag and how do I have my lowest hanging fruit? How do you determine that? Start looking for patterns of who's buying from you. What are they buying? Where are they coming from? What's the common denominator between each of them? Who's coming down? Who's hot? Who's not hot? Right? Who's going to be here this month? Who's going to be here next month? Who can I call about this type of deal? Whatever it is, it's going to really help me understand that. Make sure I maximize this as things go forward. You guys with me on that? Very, very important. That's one of the biggest weaknesses that everyone has here on the listing and sales side. We have to get better at thinking through it to maximize productivity, make sure I can do what? Get more done and less. And be much more efficient. It's easy when everybody's in a frenzy buying shit. But when they're not in a frenzy and you have a tons of people, some are looky-loose, some are scared, some are not quite as aggressive, I have to get good at understanding who are my best ones who I cannot let slip through the cracks. 
One of the best quotes I got from uh, being, at, being out there at the mastermind just talks about, and I don't know if I, I didn't copy and paste it in this one, but he said the most expenses, the most expense, the largest expense you have in your business is unconverted leads in your database. Meaning that what? We generate them, we have them, but our follow-up on the back end gets weak or they get lost in the masses and we don't convert them. And so that's the number one challenge that you all have as well in that scenario, which I think is super important. So I wrote that here. I must always know what? I just said this a minute ago. I must always know what? What are we talking about? What are we looking for here? Lowest hanging fruit. What will those be considered? Now buyers, right? Current clients. People who are just got free approved. People are going to come in town soon. People have a date they're going to be in town soon. Who's got cash? Who's got cash? Who are my whales? And then here's the thing. Anytime there's any type of shift, there's a lot of people making a ton of money by having whales with lots of cash. So I got a dude that's got millions of dollars or a lady's got millions of dollars. Guess what I want to do? I want to track their every move and follow up with them every single second with every deal I got. To do what? Separate myself from anyone else that may be out there. I'm going to woo and overwhelm them in a way that, hey, look, they're going to bring me all that cash. There's a lot of money to be made in opportunities like that when things like this happen. You guys with me on this? And here's the deal. Nothing's really happening yet. I'm just saying this is how we're going to win the game. All right? And it's not going to be that big of a deal or an issue. But there's going to be some more objections. There's going to be more things that happen. And it's still going to keep on rolling like it is. The good news is we had a really good product that people really want, that they really desire, which is what? Myrtle Beach, low taxes, great weather, right? And we've still got a little bit of freedom left. So it's very important to help understand this, that we got to make sure we can use this. Fourth piece of this, understanding my database and my intelligence piece here is got to make sure I maximize leverage. Last for referrals, reviews, that's a good one. Just constantly think, how do I leverage every single opportunity to the most? How do I, and here's what most agents do is you serve people and you don't even ask the question about a referral and you find out their good friend came down and just bought something. For a while and they want to move somewhere, guess what they're doing? Talking to people who are, have the same problem they do. Why is that? Because it's human psychology, right? So if I understand that piece of it, I'm able to make sure I just get that little bit of leverage. That's another three, four, five deals. Really, a year could be 10 deals a year, just an extra little question I'm asking. John and Mary, who do you guys, do you, who else do you know that's maybe moving to Myrtle Beach? Right, whatever it is, make sure you have that purposeful piece in that, fast, in that piece. Last one here, fourth one. Keith, you mentioned earlier, what do you guys think the last one is? No idea? This is a big one here. It's stamina. Heard this a lot out, out, uh, when I was at the, the mastermind. We talked about this because you have scenarios in marketplaces that are a little more intense than ours. Uh, one of which I was telling yesterday, Baron, that uh, I think it's Raleigh, they had a property that was listed under a million dollars, had like 20, 30 offers, and sold for 400000 above asking price. So if I'm an agent in that marketplace, guess what? It's very easy to get frustrated. And so it's important to make sure that you're doing what? The first thing I do is make sure I'm aware of and maintaining my stamina as a business person. Super easy. Guess what you do? Just keep showing up. 
Seriously, keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. Why? Because things tend to happen. And I put that actually in one of my things here. I'll show you. But the first piece is to work on understanding. I got to make sure that I'm working on my mindset at all times. I'm protecting and managing my mindset at all times. And you can look at this a second way as I must have a marathon mindset. Look at most people that don't really, the hardest part about running a marathon is not the physical part. What is it, Ryan? It's the mental part, right? Your, your brain always wants to stop before your body actually can. There's a mindset to it. There's a way that people, well, my friends, right, a couple of warrior guys too do uh, Ironmans. Anybody know what that is? It's a full marathon, two-mile swim, and a 100-mile bike ride. All in order in the same day. Right? It takes a very, very strong mental attitude through lots of training to make sure you can get there. But the reality is there's a million times everyone wants to quit in that. But what you do is you just have the right mindset to do it. You have to do what? Be purposeful about your mindset. So the things I'm sharing today is like, look, we want to be purposeful about this going forward. I want you all to use this as your roadmap to come back to, hey, look, how am I stacking up here in this shift model once I see things slow down a little bit from a buyer standpoint and a buyer really pace standpoint? You guys with me on this? I don't think it's going to be anything, you know, very, very quickly. I think it's going to be a slow, gradual turn where you may get this one objection a few more times, other objection a few more times. And I want, as my job as leaders, to do what? Help have you set up to win beforehand so that you can make the adjustments right now before it has any effect on your business. You with me on this? And so my job is to see the things that you can't see and help you adjust before you get there. Super important. Second piece of this. I must make sure my mind and my body and myself is always weaponized. Physically, mentally, right? I wrote down here, I'm fine with, I'm fine with others aren't. Sorry, I have the fire when others don't. Have the fire when others don't. What does that mean, you think? Yes. Right? When others don't show up, when others become victims, when others give up or want to do things, what do I do, Brandon? Show keep showing up. And I keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. When I have fire and certainty that my clients need and desire, I deliver that fire and certainty to my clients, and guess what they feel? Certainty and trust in me and the process, what we're doing, which I think is very, very important. Me to understand that piece of it. This is something that has to be done purposefully. I find myself even if I don't work on my mindset, I don't do stacks, I don't go to the gym and get, you know, make sure I'm here, that I tend to do what? Feel not quite as powerful, and then slowly, three, four, five days later, what do you find yourself in? A funk, right? And so I want you all to be purposeful as things become challenging. And I don't think it's be that crazy, but I just, we're talking six, 12 months later, but I don't want to see that number change at all. Right, you guys with me on this? I want to see your numbers change, your goals change. You don't have to do that. Super important in that scenario. Third piece, I wrote this down a second ago. I'll show you guys. A market shift is your choice if your business goes down. Market shift is your choice if the business goes down. Well, if you look at how everybody else operates, the masses operate, they operate right within their comfort zone and nothing more. They do just enough in everything. And it's so crowded in this bin or this square, this box of just enough people. But you get to the top 1% of people who just work a little harder. It's not that much more difference. It's just a little more consistently over time. Guess what they do? They win a lot bigger. It's the same exact mindset that we have here. Yep. Was it scary? Yeah. yeah. And what happened? We survived. We kept going. 
You won, right? You won. And it's very, very similar to this. And here's the thing. It's going to keep coming and coming and coming. If it's not the interest rates, it's going to be something else. It's going to be all these things. But we have a very powerful weapon in us, in our systems, in our processes, in our teams. And really, like I mentioned earlier, a product that everyone wants. Fourth piece of this, last one. Brandon mentioned this. Is you have to maintain very, very strong and strict habits. When things get tough or more challenging or it's, you know, it seems like, oh, it's cool in class and everything, but when you start making those phone calls and you get the same objection four times in one afternoon, how are you going to feel? Frustrating. You're pissed about it, right? And so the more I can lean on my habits and my consistency here, the easier it becomes to maintain. And all I got to do is understand the objection, write it down, and then meet you in the role plays on Wednesday or bring it to Thursday and be able to cover it at, at a high level. And then guess what? The next time it happens, I'm prepared. I can win that game. And so that was a big thing that you just want to make sure I'm always going to find a way to win as a business person. Very, very important thing to understand that that's what winners do.